Thank you, Clarence. Hi, everybody. My name is Cindy. I'm an alcoholic. Hi. Can um, we start with a serenity prayer, please? God, I accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I don't know what will happen if I move this around. Is that okay? It feels like it's right there. Um, thank you, Clarence. Um, thanks for asking me to come out and share my experience, strength, and hope tonight. You know, I think it's an honor and a privilege to lead a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and, a, and a responsibility as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous to do what I'm asked, you know. And what a great day to come out and share, you know, Mother's Day. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. I was with all three of my children today, and I wasn't an embarrassment to them. They introduced me to their friends that were in a restaurant that they were in, that we were in. And what a miracle is that? They wouldn't bring anybody around me when I, when I came here, before I came here. I mean, to me, that's just, it's just a miracle, you know, and it's, it's all due to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, Anyway, my sobriety date is September 19th, 1994, and um, that's the day I was given a gift because I, I really and truly believe that this is a gift. Alcoholics Anonymous um, was given to me. It wasn't something I was looking for or, you know, asked for or anything like that. It was given to me. Um, I have a sponsor. My sponsor is here tonight, and... Um, and I have a home group. It's Berea Wednesday Women. And, uh, you know, thank God for those things, you know. And I have a God in my understanding that is the most important relationship in my life today is that relationship with God. But thank God for those things, that sponsor and that home group. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, I didn't know how to live when I came here. I didn't know how. You guys have taught me everything. You know, I'm the, I grew up on the west side of Cleveland. I'm the second whole oldest of four children, and I grew up with, you know, my mom and my dad and, and four kids and, I don't know, you know, a, a, a good home. Now, you couldn't tell me that, though, and um, some things I found out when I came here and did an inventory that, you know, growing up, I was, you know, I, I used to say that I was, you know, I had a lot of fear going on, and I, I think sometimes I was just in the state of panic all the time. You know, I was selfish and self-centered and um, could think of nothing but myself. I used to say that I was shy, you know. And I, I don't know that I was shy. I just know that I was just always thinking about me. And I didn't know that till I came here and did an inventory. Um, it, nothing was enough for me. I, I mean, I... You know, everybody else had something better, whether it was my family or my school or my clothes. I was just, I was never satisfied. Never. And I would hear, hear those words many times growing up before I picked up a drink. You know, that's how I was. Just, you know, full of self. Um, I, w- I felt so sorry for myself. I remember I would walk through the house and my mother would say, there goes agony in the garden. And I kind of like flowed with that, you know. It just sounded, oh, that's nice. I had no idea what it meant, you know. And um, and that's how I grew And that was before I picked up a drink. Um, I, grew, I went to a Catholic school, 12 years of Catholic upbringing. And, um, uh, you know, the first eight years of school, I was a pretty good kid, you know, because I was too busy in my head and thinking about me. And... Um, I got decent grades, and I went on to Catholic high school, and uh, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school on the west side, and um, I, I just seemed to come out of my shell, and I still haven't taken a drink, right? And, um, and you know, it, to get attention was, I like getting attention, and it was easier to get attention by being the class clown or the troublemaker um, you know, to let the boys in the window in an all-girls school and, you know, do stuff like that to really get Sister Mary Holywater mad. And, you know, I, I made it through that school somehow. I don't know how, you know, by the skin of my teeth and by God's grace, I think. Um, but during high school, I did pick up my first drink. You know, uh, I remember we picked up um, two six-packs of cold 45, and 
I drank three cans and my girlfriend drank three cans and we threw the other six out. And when I, when I say that, that just still amazes me. And, and that would never happen again, but I guess three was enough for me and, uh, I liked it immediately. You know, I, I told you I grew up in this, I was like in this state of panic and, you know, always worried and always scared and, and I took that beer, I took that sip of beer and I could just be. Wow. You know, that was great. I could just be. You know, it was easier just to hang out and go to the carnival and talk to the boys. And it just was really, really good, you know. And um, I didn't get sick. I didn't black out. And I didn't pass out. And um, I didn't get caught on no consequences. And... You know, that would sure change over the years. And, you know, I was taught in here that this is a, a fatal progressive disease. And I wasn't off and running then. But, you know, from that first drink when I was 15 years old till I came here, too, when I was 43, you know, things really got worse. And uh, the illness definitely progressed in my life. Um, after I took that first drink, you know, I mean, whenever I drank, I drank to get drunk. Um, I, I told you I was selfish and self-centered and, you know, I always wanted what other people had and what I had wasn't good enough. And, you know, I grew up in the sixties and this just, you know, tells you what kind of kid I was. Um, I grew up in the sixties and the girls in my high school were getting pre-engaged and there was nobody banging down my door. And so, you know, I wanted to be pre-engaged bottom line, you know, and so, I went and searched for that boyfriend, and um, I'll tell you, you know, I, he lived down on the south side, and I lived down West 58th, and I was down in front of his house, in front of his school. I didn't leave him alone until he became mine. You know, he wanted what I had. He want, I wanted what he had, and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. And, you know, and he did become mine, and uh, I stole his money. I was a thief right off the bat. I stole his money, and I bought myself a pre-engagement ring. And um, <laughs> we had an absolutely crazy relationship, you know, because, you know, if you're not doing what I want you to do or saying what I want you to say, I get violent, you know. Um, I got violent before I started drinking, and you just add the alcohol, and I'm, I'm crazy. And um, so we had this absolutely crazy relationship. A couple of years of knockdown, drag-out battles and... Um, you know, two years after the relationship started, uh, we ended up getting married. And real quick, because the marriage was real quick, it lasted about four months. And out of that marriage, I have a wonderful 37-year-old son that Alcoholics Anonymous gave back to me. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, um, the marriage didn't last long because I had discovered the bars. And you know, that was it. You know, then I was off and running. And now I have a beautiful little boy at home. And uh, my parents were so kind to me that they let me live in the upstairs of their uh, double house. And um, I had a built-in babysitter. And, you know, I started running. And I loved the bars. I loved everything about it, you know. Um, the music, the men, the smell, everything. The, I liked the bars in bad neighborhoods. I like the guns. I like the knives. I like the fights. I like the action, you know, and, um, and I got a beautiful little boy at home. And, you know, I remember my mother saying to me so many times, you know, you have a, a beautiful son here. You have a responsibility. And, you know, I was young. I was 21 years old. And I thought, you know, what? I, I have a lot of time to be a mom, you know, but right now, you know, this is what I do. You know, I go out and, you know, I'm enjoying my life. And I'll tell you, you know, that little boy with his long, curly, blonde hair and that yellow one-piece pajama shuffling along the kitchen floor, those little feet, you know, in the blink of an eye, he graduated from St. Edge. And I can tell you that I wasn't there. And, um, and uh, you know, I might have been there, but whenever I was there at a school, at a game, you know, I was either drinking or hungover or thinking about drinking. And um, and that's how I lived my life, you know. Uh, when he was seven years old, I met my second victim. I like to call them victims because they never knew what was coming. And um, I met my second victim, and he was a nice guy. And by this time, you know, it was seven years that I was single, and I was going to the bars and, 
you know, I'm, I, I'm, something's not right. I'm not finding whatever I'm looking for out there. I'm not finding it. You know, and I meet this nice guy and I think this is it. And because I normally don't like nice guys. I like guys that, you know, have a couple prison numbers behind them and, you know, like to come over with a couple cases of beer and drink and fight. And, um, and he liked to, you know, take me out to the movies or to dinner and, you know, but, you know, I, I, I thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is the solution here. And, um, and we started dating and, you know, we fell in love and I fell in love as much as I can fall in love with anybody at the time. And I don't know that I'm powerless over alcohol. And I don't know that I'm going to become restless, irritable, and discontent without a drink. And, um, and, and I'm going to try to make this marriage work. We ended up getting married, and he told me two things when we got married. I uh, don't want my wife in a bar, and I don't believe in divorce. And, um, and what I heard was, you can do anything you want, and I'll never leave. And uh, it wasn't long after that, you know, um, it wasn't long after that that, um, I, but, but I got to tell you that I did try. You know, I don't know that I'm an alcoholic. I don't know I have this illness, and I'm trying to be a wife and a mother, and, and I want that more than anything. You know, I, I want to I have a family. I want to be like the lady next door. I really want to do this, you know, and I had everything. You know, and from the outside, it looked great. You know, my father, I had lost my mom when I was 23, but my dad was so happy when I married Michael. He thought, oh, thank God. You know, and it was wonderful. But, you know, something was missing. I, I didn't know what it was. You know, something's missing in my life. And I, my husband is great. He comes home. He does everything around the house. He brings it. He doesn't drink. He's a good man. He's a good father. He's a, he is a good husband. And, um, and I don't know. I'm powerless over alcohol. And you know, when alcohol calls, I'm going to answer. And I get a phone call one day from my cousin and she said, Brenda's mud wrestling at a bar on Clark Avenue. Whoa. Clark Avenue. Love Clark Avenue. You know, lots of fights on Clark Avenue, and I got to be there. And, you know, you know, it's powerless over alcohol. I don't care. I got to be there. You know, so we had a discussion. He said, well, you know, after a pretty big discussion, he said, fine, go and be home at a, a decent hour. And his decent hour was 11 or 12. And I was fine with that. And honest to God, with everything I had in me, like so many times before, when I left the house that night, I was going to be home at a decent hour. You know, have a couple of drinks, watch Brenda Mud wrestle, hang out with my cousin and be home at 11. I really thought that that's what I was going to do. And I don't know I'm powerless over alcohol. I don't know that when I take one drink, I'm going to take another drink, and I'm going to take another drink, and I'm going to black out, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, and, and so I went to the bar that night, and that's exactly what happened. One drink, two drink, three, three drinks. I'm in and out of a blackout. I get home at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I have mud from head to toe. And I don't know what I did. You know, I don't know what I did. But what, I, what my friends told me is that I didn't behave like a married woman with a couple kids at home. And, uh, and that was it, you know. And I was off and running. And now, you know, I've got more people in my life that love me. So I'm hurting more people. Because, you know, if you love me, I hurt you. And the more you love me, the more I hurt you. And so I took this family on a ride, boy, you know, for many years. I had another uh, daughter a couple of years later. I didn't stay sober when I was pregnant with her. And by the grace of God, she's a healthy 23-year-old young lady today. And um, I drank every chance I got, every chance I got. And, um, you know, I could tell you that I love my kids. I loved them so much, you know, but alcohol was my first love. And, um, and that was it, you know. Um, anytime alcohol called, I answered. And, you know, I start going out and I'm, you know, going out one night, two nights, three nights. And, you know, and I would leave the house and, you know, and I say that that's God now, you know, that little voice inside that's saying to me, you know, you really shouldn't go. You know, you really should be home with your family. You know, and I'd go anyway. You know, and I'd be sitting at the bar and I'd 
that little voice would say, you know, you really should go home. I'll give me another drink. Give me another drink. I don't care. You know, I didn't care. And so, you know, that's how it was. I, You know, like I say, I took this uh, family on a ride, and, you know, I look back at it, and, um, you know, I can remember them wrestling around upstairs and having so much fun and laughing, you know, and I'd want to be so much a part of that. And I would watch them like, you know, watching a movie, you know, but I couldn't be a part of that movie, you know, because I'm powerless over alcohol. And if I'm not drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. You know, where am I going to go? When am I going to go? Where's the party? You know, that's my life. I'm powerless over alcohol in a beautiful family. You know, I'm coming home, and whether I'm drunk or sober, I'm causing a lot of chaos in the house now. You know, loud fights, swearing, you know. And um, my kids running out of the house away from me. You know, I remember Eileen especially. She's 27 today, and I, you know, my my little Irish girl, freckles splashed on her face and that long hair and just running and crying. You know, Mommy, stop. You know, out the door she goes. You know, and then after I throw everything around and hit my husband and yell and scream and swear, then I'm okay, and I think everybody else should be okay, you know. And uh, and they were disgusted with me. But I don't know. I don't know that alcohol is my problem. You know, alcohol is my solution. So I'll just have a drink, you know. My life's falling apart, and I'll just drink. And I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And I'm looking in all the self-help books, trying to figure out what's wrong with Cindy. And um, and I can't find it. And, you know, I'm drinking while I'm looking. And, uh, you know, and I'm watching shows on TV about dysfunctional. Maybe that's it, you know. And now I'm blaming, you know, people, blaming my family and my husband. And, you know, I'm learning words, you know, he's emotionally unavailable. And, you know, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic, and I'm learning all kinds of things in these books, but they're just not quite me, you know. And so I go on and just keep drinking. The last couple years of my drinking, you know, and I told you, you know, that first can of Colt 45, I could just be. Whoa, I wasn't like that anymore. You know, I was an angry, crazy, violent drunk. And, you know, people really didn't want to be around me anymore. And uh, I didn't want to leave the party. I'd go to a bar and, you know, they'd say 2.30 and I think it can't be 2.30. You know, where's the night gone? My family is at home. You know, they're decorating the Christmas tree. I'll never forget it. They decorated the Christmas tree and I took it all down and redecorated. You know, and I, I hurt my family Bad, really bad. You know, I remember the lady next door wouldn't let her little girl come over and play in my house. And she went to church, and boy, I criticize her. You know, who does she think she is? She thinks she's too good. She won't, won't let her daughter come over here and play. And I can't imagine what she heard come out of that house. You know, my children wouldn't bring anybody in my house. You know, no friends. Uh, my son would never let me know who he was dating, where he was going. There was just the end of that relationship with my son at the last couple of years of my drinking. My husband didn't know what to do with me, you know. Um, he used to come and look for me. And eventually that stopped. And I thought that, you know what, uh, he finally understands. I'm just sociable and he's a homebody. And, um, you know, I found out later that he really didn't care anymore because you could only do so much to somebody, you know, and, and they just, they give up. So my last trunk was September 18, 1994, and um, it was at a Cleveland Browns game, and uh, I had, I used to sit in the, well, I still sit in the dog pound, but you know, I mean, I would go to those games. I didn't know who was playing or, you know, I don't, I didn't know. It was just a party. It was an, another way to get out of the house. You know, I used to go to chicken wing night and taco night and, 
your birthday and my birthday and whatever. And um, it was another way, you know, to just go and drink. You know, my life revolved around drinking. And, um, and that day was like, no, you know, like any other game. You know, I'd leave the house at 9.30, you know, drink before I got there, drink on the way there. And at that time, you could sneak your booze in, you know. And I snuck my booze in and drank the whole game and in and out of a blackout at the game. And I don't know who won or who played or anything. And uh, I remember not wanting to leave. And um, and we finally left the game, my sister and I. And uh, and I went home, and, and, and I first thing that came out of my mouth was a lie. I told my husband, well, it wasn't a lie. It was a little bit of a lie. I had to go do a jewelry party, but really I wanted to get up to the bar and drink some more. And, um, and that's what I did. I went to the bar. I drank some more. I'm in and out of a blackout at the bar, and I am supposed to go do this jewelry party because that was another way of getting out of the house was home demonstration parties. I go to the lady's house and, like, set this stuff out and then dare you to look at it too long and sweep it up and leave. And um, and so I went to do that and um, I stopped at the bar. And, and I, I remember my husband saying to me, though, you know, okay, go ahead. And I thought, wow, he really does understand, you know, because he didn't even give me a hard time. And uh, so I left and went to the bar and um, drank some more there and in and out of a blackout there and went to the jewelry party and I got to the door and the girl came by to the, open the door and said, get out. And I thought, how dare she? You know, I, I, I think about that and I, I think I can't imagine how I looked. I was in the same clothes from 9.30 that morning and, uh, you know, and anyway, she tossed me out and I have no idea what time it was. And I drove about a quarter mile down the street and, um, you know, when I, I pulled into my driveway and, you know, I can still see this as clear as day and, um, and thank God for that, you know. Uh, my whole family were, was out and Megan and Eileen and my husband and my son and the little ones are crying and, you know, uh, my son's yelling at my husband, why do you let her do this? And, you know, when I pulled up in that driveway, I'll tell you, I always had a lie ready. I, you know, a couple of them. You know, if one didn't work, you know, I always had a lie ready. And, you know, I really believe in that prayer for the sick and suffering alcoholic. And, you know, because when I pulled in that driveway, um, there wasn't a lie. I didn't have a lie, you know. And um, Al McCauley used to talk about that moment of clarity when God freezes the lie long enough for us to see the truth. And I love that because it so explains to me what happened that night. Because in that car for that few minutes or what, whatever it was, you know, I knew in here, I knew, you know, God touched my heart. I knew that it was over. And I just knew that. And, and I really believe that that was a prayer being answered for this drunk, you know. My little ones were crying and, you know, are you drunk? And I'm, you know, no, I have a flat tire. And, you know, I have three flat tires and no antenna or no mirror. And, you know, I need to remember that because that's what I do when I drink. I drink, I black out, and I drive. But, you know, for those few minutes or half hour, I don't know how long it was, you know, I... I, I really, I remember that I thought that my life was over. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? I know it's over. I can't drink anymore. I'm in trouble everywhere. I'm in trouble at work for stealing. I'm in trouble at home. Nobody wants me around. My son won't talk to me. Um, who am I going to hang around with? Where am I going to go? I, I don't know how to live my life without alcohol. I don't know how to do that. And I thought my life was over, you know, and, and little did I know that my life was about to begin here with you. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you for the prayers for the sick and suffering. Thank you. I believe in that prayer, you know, and when it's your time, here I am, you know, here I am. And that was the beginning of my journey, you know, my last drunk, September 18th, 1994. And, you know, by God's grace, I, I haven't looked back. You know, I came here and I liked you guys. You know, um, I was in a lot of trouble at home. 
in a lot of trouble at work. And my brothers came and got me that night. They had smiles on their faces. And I couldn't understand why they were so happy. You know, because I'm in a lot of trouble here. And I don't know what's going on in these rooms. So I just know I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble at work. My husband told me to get out. I didn't even get to go in the house. And uh, he told me to get out. And, you know, he was hoping on one of those 28-day inpatient programs that my both my brothers were at, you know. And um, they were both, uh, my one brother is a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. My other brother was a member of another 12-step program. Um, but they came and got me, and they took me over to St. John's West Shore. And, um, and that's just my journey. That's where I went. You know, I was in there for one day, and... Uh, one of my brother's friends, in fact, it was my brother's sponsor, uh, Pete O'Toole, was there. And when I come here, I think about Pete, you know. I think about Pete every day. And um, and I remember seeing him. And you know Pete with that smile on his face. And, you know, I had seen him at my brother's cookouts, and he was always smiling and always, like, looking at me. And I didn't like him because he looked like he could see right through me. And I wanted to get away from him and, you know, go for a walk around the block or something. And, um, you know, but there he was. And uh, and he just kept saying, you know, it's going to be okay, kid. You know, it's going to be okay. Piece of cake is going to be okay. And I thought he was crazy, too. You know, and I stayed there overnight, and all I did was cry, 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 cry. And um, and they let me go home the next day, and I started outpatient treatments. And uh, And I'll tell you, my husband was not happy to see me. You know, we do a lot of damage at home. And, you know, when he came home from work that day and saw me sitting on the porch, I thought he was going to die. He did not like that at all. And um, I was telling him, you know, I'm going to stay sober. I'm going to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, he just grunted. And um, But I started that outpatient treatment. And, you know, what I remember from that is I learned about the progression of the, this disease. And I met people who were just like me, and that was real comforting to me, you know. Um, and I could see the progression in my life. Any time that I wasn't drinking, I was restless, irritable, and discontent because I'm an alcoholic, and I wasn't treating my disease. And then when I, then I would drink, I would drink more than I ever drank. And by the end of my drinking, I was worse than I ever was. So I could see that in my life. And they told, they told us a treatment to get a sponsor and a home group. And, you know, I believe I was absolutely blessed with the gift of willingness because Honestly, I didn't know what that word meant, willingness. I don't know what that means, you know, willingness, powerless, all these words. I didn't know what they meant. So I believe that that was a, another gift from God. You know, I, I followed directions. I got a sponsor. Um, I went to, uh, I started going to meetings. Um, and I liked you guys immediately. You know, you guys were smiling. I hadn't smiled in a long time. You know, I heard, you know, people tell their story from up here at the podium that were just like me. And they talked about how their life changed. So I got hope from coming to meetings, you know, that maybe that could happen for me. Maybe. And I felt better immediately. You know, I felt better. I got up in the morning, you know, would open my eyes and, wow, I'm in my own room. You know, and my husband and my children, I was so excited to be sober. And, you know, I wanted to be what a mom right away and, you know, a wife and, you know, all these things I can do. And I, I think I was sober two weeks. And I said to my husband, how do you like me so far? <laughs> and he looked at me like, oh, my, he just wanted to die, you know. You know, two weeks, and I think I'm doing great. You know, and I'm, I, and I'm not drinking, and I'm happy here with you guys. And um, I had this, this sponsor, you know. I remember when I called her to ask her um, to be my sponsor. You know, we had hung out together when we were, you know, out there and drinking together, and she lived next door to me. And I hadn't seen her for seven years, and she answered the phone, and she sounded like an angel to me. She sounded like an angel. And I wanted what she had. You know, I didn't know what it was. You know, I know today it's that it was peace and serenity she had in her life from coming here and finding a God of her understanding and 
making 12 steps a part of her life. And um, I wanted it yesterday. You know, and I remember her telling me, you know, if you had what I have, if you had that today, you would just throw it away because you, you wouldn't have done anything for it. You know, you need to do some things. You know, so I started to go to meetings, and she told me to start praying. You know, uh, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. You know, we went to school every every Friday with the chapel caps on, and, you know, I would crawl under the pew and go in and out of the confessional, and I didn't, I didn't learn anything there. I didn't really care, you know. Um, so I come here, and I, I, don't, I hadn't even thought about God. I, I can't say that I had a punishing God or I put God on the shelf. I just never even thought about God. And um, my sponsor told me to get on my knees and pray and ask God to keep me sober. And, you know, that with that gift of willingness, that's what I did, you know. God, please don't let me drink, and, you know, thank you, God, at night. And, and that was the start of my relationship with my God that I have today, you know. It's absolutely beautiful. But she got me started on the 12 steps, and I'll tell you, you know, step one for me was absolute relief, you know. You know, all that stuff I read in the books, you know, all my self-help books, here it is. Here's the problem. Powerless over alcohol. Power, when I take a drink, I'm going to take another drink. I'm not going to stop. And it's the first drink. You know, I always thought, you know, it was the last bar, the last pitcher of Alabama Slammers, because that's what I always drank at the end of the night. I shouldn't have drank those Slammers. And I always thought, you know, it was, I, I never, I didn't know it was the first drink. Because so many times I had those intentions. I'm going out for a couple, really. You know, I'm power, powerless over alcohol. I have a disease. I have an illness. So for me, thank God. You know, thank God for step one. You know, uh, I find out what my problem is. You know, and that first, that first word, we. You know, I, I, for me, I need Alcoholics Anonymous in my God and, the, and, and, you know, the people in my life today more than I ever did. You know, thank you for being here. You know, step two, you know, I'm powerless over alcohol and I need to find a power. And, you know, um, I don't know when step two came into my life. I just know I kept praying. You know, I kept coming to meetings. And I kept doing what I was told, you know. And I'm asking God to keep me sober. You know, and I'm feeling good and my life is changing. And that's not me. You know, that's not me. So I came to believe, you know, and I don't know, one month, two months, three months, but I came to believe in a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity one day at a time. And for me, the insanity is believing a lie, that I can take one drink today and it's going to be any different. You know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm, al I'm always going to be an alcoholic. You either are or you aren't. I am, you know, and I know that today. And step three, I turn my will and my life over to the care of God. You know, um, relieve me of the bondage of self. You know, my, my, you know, the root of my disease, selfish and self-centered. Relieve me of the bondage of self so I may better do your will. You know, I love that prayer. You know, I love Sandy Beach talks about that prayer. You know, relieve me of the bondage of self so I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them may, may bear witness to those I would help of thy love, thy power, and thy way of, of life. He says it's not to make me happy. It says so I can go out and help God's kids, you know. And I was taught those three steps were going to be my foundation, you know, to go on with the, the rest of these steps. You know, those first three steps, I worked those every morning, every morning on my knees. And when I came to you, I worked those first three steps, and then I went on to four through 12. And thank God for the fourth step. I always say this. I think that each step has a gift. Each step makes me feel a little bit better inside. You know, I believe we're sick from the inside out. You know, when I was telling my husband, how do you like me so far? You know, that's okay, but I wanted to get better in here. I wanted that peace and serenity that you guys had. 
So I told you I came here a victim. And anybody who would listen, and I'm sure the women that I knew when I first came in here will tell you that I was a victim, you know, that it was everybody else's fault. And, um, you know, this is how my dad was. And, you know, and this is how my mother was, my boss and my husband. And this, you know, I, I, I had a whole list for you. You know, and in that fourth step, you know, I, I mean, you teach me to take responsibility for myself. You teach me to find my part. You know, what What about me? What kind of daughter was I? You know, what kind of worker am I? Did I ever give 100%? You know, or was I always cheating? You know? So I write down that list of resentments, fears, and my sex conduct, and, and I, I do that fifth step with my sponsor. And, and I think that that fifth step just, you know, another gift. You know, um, for me, you know, it talks about those fifth step promises in the big book. And, you know, those came true for me. You know, I, I for me, it was a good experience. I, I did my fifth step with my sponsor, and it was like all that, you know, she told me you never have to be that person again. And that was such a relief to me. You know, that stuff is gone. You know, uh, you make a ni nice house for God now. You know, you get rid of all that garbage, and you never have to live like that again. Wow. Thank you. You know, I felt that nearness to my creator after that step. You know, I felt like I have another chance. And I take that hour out, and then I go to six and seven, those two little paragraphs in the big book. And thank God, you know, um, I love the 12 and 12 because it goes so much more into step six and seven. You know, lifetime steps, you know, all about change. You know, I need to work on change all the time. You know, I need to show up and be the best person I can be today. Be honest, unselfish, pure, and loving. You know, thank God we get directions because I don't know any of those words until I come to you. You know, you teach me that. You teach me by your actions. You teach me how to change. I like in step six in the 12 and 12, it says, step six is AA's way of stating an attitude one must have in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. Thank God. Thank God. There's always room for change. You know, and about humility. You know, step seven. You know, think less of myself. Think less about myself. Think more about you. I couldn't do that. I'd be taught to do that. I still have to put that into my head to think about you. God first, you second, me last. You know, and when I do that, I have a great day. I have a great day. Steps eight and nine, you know, um, making a list and forgiving people that perhaps hurt me more than I hurt them, and then going out to make those amends. And I, this this step for me was about healing relationships. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, the things that I didn't want to do here, the things that I thought, uh, you know, I would do them, but I didn't want to do them. And how can I do that? And, you know, gave me the most rewards in here, the blessings in here, not out here, the blessings in here. And a couple gifts from that, um, uh, step nine, you know, making amends. And I was taught, you know, face-to-face -face amends, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, eyeball to eyeball, not in a letter, not in a phone call, face-to-face, -face, eyeball to eyeball. And, um, you know, I told you about that job I had that I stole a lot of money from my boss. And um, my sponsor said, you need to go back there and tell him. You know, you need to go back there and make amends and make a plan to pay him back. And, you know, if you would have told me that, I would have went there and, and, you know, this man said, thank you. You know, I went back there. I started paying him back every week, you know, stuck something in the, in the mail. And I started working for him on Saturdays. And uh, a couple years into those amends, he lost his office manager. And he asked me to come back and work for him as his office manager. And um, this is the miracle of that step for me is <clears throat> I work for him today, and I'm in charge of all the money. And I, I, to me, that, you know, I'm a thief. I'm on the bank account. You know, I, I'm a thief. Thank you, Elka. He loves you guys. He, he really does. He loves Alcoholics Anonymous. 
And, uh, but what a miracle. You know, I sign his paychecks. That's a miracle. You know, thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. Thank you for telling me to do what I didn't want to do. Thank you for caring that I live today, you know. Thank you. I swear, you know, my sponsors have always wanted more for me than I ever even knew was possible. I made amends to my family, and, you know, my little girls were, they were fine. My son, you know, it took time. You know, he seen me out there. He seen me in and out of bars. He saw things I was doing. And, uh, you know, of course I wanted that relationship right away, but it took time, you know, things I must earn. You know, and today we have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And my uh, now ex-husband found my fourth step when I was about a year sober. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't hanging on to that. I knew that I was supposed to throw it away. I don't, I know you're supposed to burn it. I don't know why I did that. You know, it was just in a notebook. And I was writing letters to God in part of the notebook. And my fourth step was in the other part. And um, I'll tell you, to hurt somebody in sobriety, you know, um, you know, he found that for, he found that notebook. He came up and he slammed it on the bed one day and he said, "Get out of here." And uh, you know, and he's a grown man, and and, and the tears were coming. And uh, you know, I I felt his pain. You know, I felt another human being's pain, and I never felt anybody's pain. You know, I hurt him so bad. And, you know, I made amends to him, and um, he told me, I don't forgive you. And uh, I know today that that's okay. You know, because I was there, and I cleaned up my side of the street. And, um, and we don't grovel. I mean, I did want to keep going back. You know, and my sponsor said... You cleaned up your side of the street, and that's it. You know, that's all you can do. And now I can make living amends. You know, that marriage ended up not working out. You know, I moved out for a while. We moved back in, and, and it, it didn't work out. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. Um, you know, I, I pray for him, you know, that maybe one day he'll have the gift of forgiveness because the gift is for him. You know, but for me, the amends healed so many relationships. My relationships with my old boss, my my brothers, my my sister-in-law who, you know, my, my poor sister-in-law. You know, one day she was sitting on the porch. I just went up and sucker punched her for nothing. She didn't do nothing wrong. You know, and today I go over and her and I babysit for her grandchildren, little Emma and Luke. You know, we do that together. I ride with her to see her son that's in jail. You know, I can make living amends today after I make the direct amends. And what a gift making living amends is. Thank you, God. I thank God every time I'm with my family. You know, I was with little Luke and Emma, and I just thank you, God. I drove their mother around drunk, and I'm allowed over here to play with these kids and to babysit. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. That's an absolute miracle. And the last three steps, 10, 11, and 12, you know, I worked the first three steps, and I live with 10, 11, and 12. You know, I have to continue to take personal inventory. You know, I don't want to live with all that stuff that blocks God. I want to stay in the sunlight of the Spirit. Doesn't that sound so beautiful? The sunlight of the Spirit. You know, um, when I'm feeling resentful, you know, or angry, or into self, I need to clean that up. You know, I know for me it doesn't feel good anymore. It just doesn't feel good. You know, if that's all in here, then God can't be there. And I really believe that. And if God's not there, then I'm not being of service. I'm thinking of me. Me, 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 me. You know, and um, step 10, continue to take personal inventory. Continue to look at Cindy. You know, even if, if it's something good I think I did, maybe I can do it a little bit better tomorrow, you know, and promptly admit when I'm wrong. You know, I don't want to load up on all that stuff today. You know, I want to be of service. You know, I want to be of maximum service to God's kids. I believe that that's what these steps really get us ready for, you know, and that's where the happiness that I looked for in those bars you know, and, and in my life and in whatever 
what's going to make me happy? Here it ends up that me thinking about you makes me happy. You know, me doing something for you makes me happy. You know, thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, prayer and meditation, my time with God. You know, I love that. I love to meditate on gratitude. When, I, when I'm grateful, when my heart is grateful, I have a, a peaceful day. You know, the sun shines brighter when I'm grateful. So I like to meditate a lot on gratitude, and I have so much to be grateful for today. You know, I, I, when I open my eyes in the morning, I say, thank you, God. If nothing else, thank you, God. Thank you. You know, prayer and meditation, you know, um, and praying for the knowledge of his will. Um, I think that's the strongest prayer in Alcoholics Anonymous is thy will not mine be done. You know, there's nothing that can calm me down quicker than your will not mine, God. You know, when I'm trying to control things, it's all out of control. You know, thy will not mine. You know, my children. You know, my children all have their stuff going on. You know, they're God's kids. You know, and I try to get in the way and maneuver it a little bit and manipulate it a little bit to the way I want it or I think, you know, they should be living their lives. And my sponsor tells me they're on their journey. You know, they're on their journey. you got to let them go. You know, and that has been a process for me. You know, letting my children go. You know, Marlene would say, wrap them up in a pink blanket and give them to God. You know. But I know it's okay that it's a process. It's okay. You know, I can call my sponsor with something huge about my kids. You know, like, oh, they're doing this and that and this and that. And, and, we'll, and she'll start laughing. And then I just start laughing and it's all okay. They're on their own journey. I remember Pete used to say, you know, what right do you have to get in the way of somebody's body? You know, i got to let my children go. Their life is their life, you know. Praying for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. And step 12, I think, is the biggest promise Alcoholics Anonymous has to offer. You know, I'm not the woman I was when I walked in the door, and I, I know that when I was out there and, you know, every drink, every bar, every man, whatever I was doing out there with Every day that went by, every drink that went that I took, I became less of the woman I ever wanted to be. You know, the shame and the guilt and the remorse. You know, every year, year after year, I didn't even care about my family anymore. I love my family so much today. I didn't care. I didn't care. Just give me a drink. I became less of the woman I ever wanted to be out there. You know, and I come here to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I really believe that, you know, with every step I take, with every meeting I go to, with every prayer, with every woman I help, you know, I become a little bit more of the woman I always wanted to be. You know, and, and, and I think most importantly for me is more of the woman that God wants me to be. You know, I get up in the morning and, and I ask God, you know, to keep me sober and to take me where he wants me to go and do the things he wants me to do, you know. And um, and that's what I do today, you know. Uh, I have to say this. I was telling you about that little girl that couldn't play. I just This just came into my mind, so I must supposed to share it. The little girl that used to live next door to me that wasn't allowed to play at my house. You know, I hadn't seen her in, I don't know, 15 years. And uh, I was in the hospital a couple weeks ago, and the nurse is standing there, and she was just as sweet as can be. And she said, you look familiar. And I said, you do too. And I always think I know somebody from a meeting, you know. I said, you do too. And it was that little girl. It was that little girl. Wow. I got to make amends to her. To me, that was just, God always shows up, doesn't he? He always shows up. You know, I see him in your life, in my life. I, I see him in these rooms. I see God in your eyes. 
You know, I, I go to the prison on Tuesday nights, and I swear I see God in those ladies' eyes. You know, thank you, God, for letting me go there. Thank you. I never want to go either. Every, every Tuesday, I get home, and I think, I don't want to go. I couldn't get a hold of Chris one day. I love to tell the story, and I called Mary Beth, and I said, I don't want to go to the prison anymore. I get home at 4.30, and i got to leave at 5.30. And she said, just go two more weeks. And I, you know, I love it because they trick us. I really think they trick us. <laughs> and I, she said, two more weeks, Cindy, just go. You know, and I, you know, and my first thought is always wrong because I'll first think of a lie, like, I can't go tonight because why? But, you know... I can't do that. See, I don't live like that today. So I tell on myself. So she said, go two more weeks. And I went to that prison that night, and oh, my God. It was absolutely beautiful. Those girls touched my heart. I, I don't know. You know, I walk out. Though, there's women in there that have the same last drunk that I did, only they killed somebody. That's the one different thing. They drank and they drove, and that's what I did. God's grace that I'm here with you. And thank you, God, that I can go share with them. Thank you. You know, my life is totally different today. I mean, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I, I really do. I, I love you guys. You've given me, you've taught me everything. I mean, I'm a mom today. I, To me, I love my kids so much. I never knew that I could have that much love in my heart. I just never knew it. I never knew that I could be happy when you're happy. I never knew I could be happy for you. I never, I never thought that. You know, I, I never knew that I could have so much love in my heart for another human being and share in your joy and in your pain. You know, you guys have been there holding my hand through everything. You know, I lost my sister and my dad in sobriety, a couple years sober, and you were right there. You were the gift. You know, always look for the gift. That's what Alice Mar used to say. Look for the gift because the gift is God. And you were right there. You walked me through it. And then, you know, I get the opportunity to do that for you. You know, my friend Joe passed away a couple years ago. A great, great member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and I got to be there with him. You know, and I'd talk to him and he'd be so sick and he'd be trying to get up and I'd say, where are you going, Joan? He'd say to heaven. You know, got to be there with him. What a blessing. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. <coughs> you know, um, I don't know. My life is great today. I can't say much more. I've been showered with love from God and, and love from you guys. And, you know, my hope today is that I continue this journey and continue to give back. You know, um, that's the biggest joy for me, you know, is giving back. Giving back, back to Alcoholics Anonymous because I owe big time. You know, I, I looked at my th three kids today and I thought, I owe. I owe Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for asking. Please